Episode 100, Jason, we did it for the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Joel. With me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. That's yeah, his name. Uh, all right, I think that I think that's a dead name now. We can stop that one, I think. So, anyway, uh, 100 episodes, Jason. That's crazy, man. I know. Like, two years ago when we started this show, I was going to have some historical things that hadn't happened yet. <laughs> The iPhone XR hadn't come out yet. Uh, <laughs> That's I true. I don't know. Uh, we were on Note Eight and uh, <laughs> Galaxy Nine. I yeah, yeah. Last year when we started this, it was a year ago, two years ago. Yeah. So here's the thing that I was thinking about that's pretty crazy. Uh, I use my personal time off. We get one personal day every 100 episodes. Um, and I did use that this summer. So I had, I think Katie filled in around Origins. And I mean, like, I uh, might, yeah, my in-laws aren't going to listen to this, so I can just say it. I was on a vacation with them. And I really wished that I was at Origins instead. It actually ended up being a really fun trip. But yeah, you guys were at Origins and, and it wasn't. It was it, awesome. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, I'm sad I missed it, but I had a good time otherwise. But I did miss an episode, and I don't think you've missed any yet. So you can use your – I don't think your personal days roll over, unfortunately, <laughs> Jason. So you you only can miss one out of the next 100. So choose it wisely. No, I thought I think I did miss one because it was you and Katie that one time that I edited for like an oh. hour and, and 92 minutes. Remember that? You did use your personal time. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Because I, I, I didn't have a voice. I was like – yeah, I was really sick. The episode we don't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yep. No. Yeah. So we, we, we I forgot each had about one. that. No, we, it was actually not bad yeah, for no. us to record and then you to edit because. <laughs> yeah, because I got the hard part. Well, Katie and I are both teachers and we're used to <laughs> like filling the air with speech. Yeah, it was like. Yeah, let me tell you about this game. Let me tell you about every detail of this game. I want to describe the colors of the pieces in case you don't know what purple looks like. That's what it was like editing that. Nothing wrong with that, Jason. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. But for real, though, 100 episodes. I don't know that I knew we were going to make 100 episodes, but we did. And I guess we can announce this now. It's official. We did get renewed for the next 100. So the uh, podcast.com network is going <laughs> to let us... That's not a real thing. I don't know if podcast.com is a website, but you just got a free plug. Uh, we do get to make another 100 episodes. So we are we got renewed uh, for, for season two, 100 episodes per season. <laughs> it's a long season. Two-year season. <laughs> it's, uh, like, it's like the anti-British seasons. Like British TV shows have like one episode per season. Uh, yeah, that's we true. They do. That's how we roll. Uh, that's how <laughs> Doctor Who has like 70 seasons or something. I don't know. Uh, although that's not true. Pro- okay, I'm not going to touch Doctor Who. I'm moving on because those fans are very passionate. Okay, they, so. they are very passionate. Like the new female Doctor is all the the rage on the internet right now. I, listen, I've again, 100 foot pole, not touching it. <laughs> Good call. Uh, anyway, we are finally here. We're doing our top 10 games of of all time, which is which is cool. Uh, I'm pretty excited about doing this one, Jason. And actually, you're going to see your influence on my top 100 for sure. Uh, the subtitle for this one's probably going to be 
our top 10 games or Joel and Jason talk about Vidal Lacerda games? <laughs> uh, probably. I don't know. And probably some Italian guys, too. Yeah, probably. <laughs> for sure. Uh, speaking of Italian guys. Nope, wrong one. Speaking <laughs> of Vidal Lacerda, my copy of On Mars came, so I didn't get to play that yet, but hopefully for next episode I can talk about that a little. Uh, it's crazy. I, it, it looks awesome. The components are you know top-notch, EGG quality stuff, except for my one complaint about that game was you got all the colors in the world, and you want to pick teal and robin's egg blue <laughs> for two different player colors. I was looking at some pictures of that. Well, yeah, that... That color is crazy, but that player board is obscenely big. It's yeah, it's large. It's like bigger than the Lisboa board. It's nuts. Yeah, it is. It actually is. It's the whole. It's the whole length of an Eagle Griffin box. It's, <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, yeah, it it is. Oh it's man, something. It's really something. <laughs> well, anyway, that's my own personal news. But I, I don't know. We should probably put some. Man, I had a really cool idea. I don't think it's going to happen in time. So this is the idea that could have happened, fans. I thought about putting some Jingle Bell sound effects underneath our theme music and stuff so you could have a Christmassy sounding one. Maybe I'll do that and it'll just be crappy and it'll be funny that it's in there anyway. I think I actually have something that I can throw in there as a oh. – I have a, a recorded version of a Christmas song that I did, so it'll be fine. Can, can you make it the board game mechanics with Jingle Bells? I don't know if I can, but I have something else. <laughs> All right, well, you're about to hear a bumper, and it's news to me which one it was. All right, so, uh, yeah, I was slacking off on the news because I was busy doing things for Christmas. So I don't have any news. Um, So, yeah, I got nothing to say. Yeah. Now you're going to get to hear another bumper that is news to me, too. We get a new segment that we kind of forget to talk about sometimes, and I guess we'll just start off with that one. Um, as members of what we want to call the Riveted, we wanted to hear from you guys. So, and we've had some really great contributions so far, and we thought it only fitting on episode one hundred, the only member of the Riveted that has been on an episode with both Jason and I. That's true. That is true. He well, yeah, he had he got the stretch goal. He really. <laughs> Kicked in and got the stretch goal. <laughs> he donated more zero dollars than everybody else. <laughs> yep. He got to be on the show. Uh, Mike Picorni, he says his name on the recording, so I'm going to say it too. Picorni got to be on this episode because we have so many good fans, but this guy was amongst the first. And yeah, we're going to hear from him right now. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Mike McCorney, naming sponsor of The McCorney Sound Machine, except no substitutes. It's available at all fine retailers. I'm honored to be part of the episode 100. Makes sense that I'm on this episode as it's the episode with the most zeros in it until we get to 1,000. So in this segment, I want to talk about two games. First is Arkham Horror 3rd Edition by Fantasy Flight. The best way to Jason explain this game is that players are workers with individual player powers in a post-industrial town who collaborate to increase the value of the clue track while reducing the value or keeping as low as possible the Doom track and the Monster track. 
player on their turns, players take actions, and many of those actions involve dice dice rolling. You need a five or six to succeed on a dice roll. I mean, this is Arkham Horror, people. You know how it works. Anyway, games are scenario-based. Players don't necessarily know what they need to do to win, but spoiler, it usually involves increasing the clue track and decreasing the doom and monster tracks. Uh, in the game, this is repre- you know, it's represented by an evolving storyline called a codex, uh, and that changes as you reach various clue and doom targets. So if you reach a target, you, know, you add cards to the codex. You have to you'll have to may have to delete cards from the codex. The board state may change, and then there's new targets you reach, and you kind of keep on going from there. Uh, in my opinion, this edition is an improvement over the second edition because all the environmental parts of the game are streamlined. No terror track. You don't have to figure out when does the star dot monster move. There's no outskirts. All that stuff's taken away, and it's replaced by you pull these tokens out of a bag, and you just resolve the effects based on the symbol on the token. So if dice don't like you, it's probably best to stay away from this game. I mean, there are many ways to mitigate dice rolling, but it just won't help if dice don't like you. They're out to get you. Oh, yes, they are. Uh, This game is thematic. There's lots of storytelling and lots of flavor text to help you keep immersed in the game as Cthulhu devours the world. I'm probably going to get rid of my second edition and stick with a third display. It works better for me. So Arkham Horror. So the second game I want to talk about is a card game called Fickle by Bard Games. In this game, you want to become the next fairy queen, and in order to do that, you need to gain favor from the various fairy factions to solidify your position and become the queen. But gosh darn it, maintaining allegiances with fairies is really hard. So this game is basically a set collection game. It's played over five rounds. You build a deck of cards with five factions of fairies in it. Each faction of fairies has nine cards. They're ranked from one through five, and each faction has a specific power. So those powers might be you get rid of a card, or you force someone else to get rid of a card. You swap cards with players. Everyone just uh, like get rid of, gets rid of cards or might have end-the-game scoring. Anyway, there's 22 factions in the game, lots of, lots of variability. They all have different powers. Uh, you can either pick factions Dominion style, or you just kind of pick five factions and you go. Anyway, players start with two two fairies in their alliance to start, and then each round you deal three cards, and then they arrange those. You arrange those three cards in any order, and you pass them face down to the next player. When everyone has got three cards passed them, they pick them up one at a time, and they decide if they want to keep that card or discard it and take the next card. You always have to take one. Any cards that you don't take are discarded. So maybe that first card is really good. Maybe the last card's really bad. You just don't know until you see it. Uh, when all players have selected a card, they're revealed in rank order from five down to one, and the powers on those cards are, are activated. After the fifth round, you score. And the scoring is a little unique in the set collection game because if you have one of a faction... You earn points based on the power of that or the ranking of that card. If you have two of a faction in your set, you get no points. If you have three or four of a of a faction in your set, you, it's actually negative points based on the highest rank that's in that set. And if somehow you're able to get five or more factions in your set, 
you've shot the moon and you get that total up all the points, all the all the ranking of the of the berries that you've collected. The things that I like about this game is it has fantastic artwork. I'm a sucker for good art, and this game has boatloads of good art. Uh, there's a push your luck factor, so when they pass you three cards, or you get past three cards, and if the first one's kind of good, do you take that, or do you wait to see what the next one is? Is the last one really, really good, or is the last one a real stinker? You just don't know. And is your neighbor trying to screw you? You bet that they are. Fickle has a healthy amount of chaos in it. Which way you pass each round may change, or may not. The way ties are broken may change, or may not. As I said, there are 22 factions of fairies in this game, which works to about 11 billion combinations of the way this game can be played. So no two games should ever be the same. You have incomplete information. You never know what other people have. You don't know what people have discarded. You just, there's no way to know. And even your sets, your sets or other player sets, they're always dynamic based on those player powers. Cards are coming in and out of that all the time. And really the kicker of this is who doesn't want to be the fairy queen? Those people can't be trusted. So that's Fickle by Bard Games. Congratulations, fellas, on 100 episodes. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, everyone. And most of all, keep gaming. Later. So, Picorni and his patented sound machine, uh, it's, it's made some appearances and caused some laughs. Uh, <laughs> that's a long one. Wow. That is a long uh, ooh, one. There it goes. Well, R.I.P. Sound Machine. Uh, <laughs> he made his appearance tonight. And Arkham Horror, bud. Uh, I'm gonna. You talk about the other game. I'll talk about Arkham Horror because um, Arkham Horror seems awesome to me, and I really want to play Third Edition. And it is a hard game, but it seems really fun. It's really thematic. It just it took forever to set up the old editions that I played. I had a second edition. It took just forever to set it up and get it ready to go. And I think they fixed some of that with third. And I also think third just seems like it flows a little better, made it a little more streamlined. I played Eldritch Horror as well. Um, actually, I think I, I shipped my copy of Eldritch Horror to him or something. I don't know. But uh, at any rate, Eldritch was pretty good too. But Arkham Horror third edition seems like my kind of game. And good on you, Picorni. I know... Some of us won't play that game. But, Jason, go ahead. Why don't you hop in and talk about Fairy Queen? Because I think you know more about that one than me. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is a game that's right up my alley, too. Uh, I've never heard of it, actually. Good, good job. Uh, so, like, Picorni, Picorni likes to pick games that I've never heard of and will never play. But we love you them anyway. Him. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually looking at it on BGG. 2015, no ratings, no comments, uncredited designer... No artist, nothing. No files, nothing. I think Picorni used his time-traveling time machine to make that page entry after he recorded a very good prank on us. <laughs> oh, that jerk. <laughs> How could you? Oh, oh what a jerk. We, Jason and I both really like Picorni, <laughs> but we're far from his biggest fans, and that's okay. <laughs> Dude, this his description is hilarious. On this. <laughs> uh, what does it say? This pretty game is fun to play and introduces skip counting, the concept behind multiplication. Players learn to count by twos and by fives as they tally the points they collect to win. The entire deck is dealt out evenly to each player. 
Players then take turns drawing a random card from the player to their left when it is their turn, trying to get and play matching pairs. Once all matching cards have been played, the player holding the remaining Fairy Queen card, which doesn't have a match, adds the cards to their matches. All players then add up the points shown on their cards, and the player with the most points is the winner. 48 playing cards and instructions. I don't think it's the same game that Corny was talking about. Are you serious? Well, I mean, he talks about how beautiful the art is, and, like... (laughs) <laughs> not just drawing one card from your neighbor. So either either the descriptions are really bad from somebody or they're different games. I'm literally not finding anything, dude. That's the only game on BGG. He punked us real good. What a good prank, man. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was literally looking it up and I was like, what is this? I, uh, oh, man. Hey, good news. I didn't have to edit this week. Um, all right. Uh. <laughs> well, Jason, uh. I played... Uh, what do I want to talk about? I think I'm going to talk about one that you can chime in, too, on. Uh, you know that game, Lords of Waterdeep? I'm pretty sure someone I made do. a card game version of it. And they were like, hey, Wizards of the Coast, you and your Dungeons & Dragons license, do you guys want to make a card game version of, of Lords of Waterdeep? And they were like... Nah, man, nah, we're good, we're good. And so then they were like, "Okay, um, hey, Daily Magic Games, I made I made Lords of of Waterdeep the card game. Do you guys want to see it?" And they're like, "Yes, this is very good. Let us publish it and call it Quests of Valeria because that's exactly what it is." <laughs> I, I'm. It really is, man. It's like I'm positive, like the card layouts and stuff. Even are like, "Oh, this is exactly the same thing," and I'm pretty positive that that game probably did start its life as. Lords of Waterdeep, the card game. I mean, it just feels like it so much. It's a good game. Actually, I really like it. Um, and to be honest, when I was playing it, I was like, huh, do I need to play Lords of Waterdeep anymore? Because, I mean, it kind of does some of the same stuff without the worker placement, which is a big part of the game. But you're basically drafting these guys into your hand of cards to put them down in front of your in your tableau, kind of in front of you. And you're paying cards to do that based on a cost, or you're just drafting a free guy off the end of this and putting him down in front of you. And then you use them for like set collection. They kind of represent the warriors that you would recruit with worker placement in Lords of Waterdeep. So, and then you complete quests and you complete five quests. Game's over. Um, played it at two players in about 10 minutes, 12 minutes, maybe. Uh, I, I really don't know if it was 10 or 12 minutes. Like I didn't keep that good track of time and 12 minutes seems awful specific for me not having kept track of time. So disregard that between 10 and 20 <laughs> minutes. Uh, it, it played pretty quick. Um, and I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. It pretty, pretty compact. If you like Lords of Waterdeep and you want a little compact version of it, that gives you some of the flavor and some of the feel um, without hauling a big box around with a real bad insert inside that box. Um, hot take, hot take yeah. there. It was, it was clever and crafty, but it just doesn't hold things very well. Uh, then maybe check out this one, uh, Lords of Waterdeep, the card game. I mean, Quest of Valeria. Yeah, I really like this. I've only played it multiplayer a couple times, but I play it solo quite a bit because the solo is huh. actually kind of fun. So, yeah, it's it does. It feels exactly like Lords of Waterdeep, just without worker placement and you're playing cards instead. It's spot on. And there's a card that is yeah. Rado. And so Lance, that's cool. the undead Viking is in there, too. Oh, hey, yeah, that's true. Jason, real quick, yeah. before we move on. Just as a favor to your your dear buddy Joel here, how do you play it solo? Um, it's been a while, but you're basically uh, you play it the same way, kind of. But there are some cards that get removed after a certain point, and you only have so many rounds that you have to complete and score as many sure. points as you okay, can. Okay, that makes sense. 
So there's just a little chart you're trying to beat, basically. Yeah, you're just you're basically playing a multiplayer game with a little bit of a tweak and just trying to score as oh, many cool. points as you can. Uh, the when you started describing that, you said it's been a while since you've played that game. Uh, that reminded me of the hit song Benoit by Stained. That was very popular on episode one when we started <laughs> this first episode of the show. <laughs> the Benoit song. Yeah, that was a pretty popular song. All right. <laughs> Before we move on, I'm, I'm going to talk about the game that I played too real fast. Oh, it's Benoit. But yeah. <laughs> so I played a game called Vinyl. Uh, I did a review for this. It's on our YouTube page. I'm not going to talk about it a ton, but this is a game about collecting sets of records. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're doing that through some worker placement, and you're going to the record store, and you have to play these cards, ticket to ride style, to try to match these icons that are on the side of the card. You're trying to get different kinds of collections, either the same genre, uh, different genres, but with like maybe the same decade or like mint condition or so on and so forth to score a pile of points. You're trying to have a better record collection than other players. It's a pretty simple game. If you like records and you like set collection and you like worker placement, maybe check this out. It comes with like, or it doesn't come with it, but has a pile of expansions too. They can just jazz it up a little bit. So that's vinyl. How many points would I get if I could get Stained, Nickelback, Five Finger Death Punch, and Creed? That's like all the points, man. I thought so. Well, that's good. I'm glad. I want to. I want to win with that set of <laughs> cards. I think it says in the rule book if you get that exact set. You win the game forever. Yeah, like you just bruns your game. You dip it in the (laughs) bruns, display it. This shit's got a weird energy. It's not dairy, it's pistachios. I ate some pistachios before we started recording. It's good pistachio energy. Uh, Episode 100 gets the classy stuff, man. Yeah, it does. Uh, it was a, it was a Christmas present for my dear dear friend. He gave me some shelled pistachios. What a thoughtful gift of him. Those are uh, good. I, I like those. I me too, man. No no judgment here, bud. Those are good. They are good. So it's it's time, Jay Jason. Bonus segment. This isn't on even on our outline. This is gonna make you wig out. Right. I was thinking about it. We've done a hundred episodes, and people don't know how we know each other, and the answer is barely. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It is barely. <laughs> For real though, I think people think that you and I grew up or something together. I don't know. Like it's just kind of like lucky that we kind of mesh. Like our personalities just kind of work on a podcast. I, I'm actually trying to work on another podcast with my brother, and he's got a weird personality like me, and it doesn't work. So Jason, you and I, we work for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I think you and your brother are too too much alike to probably have the same kind of deal going on. That's the meanest thing you've ever said to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't mean like all the in every way, but like this similar like talking personalities and things you're interested in and goofy things you say. You that wasn't any better. Uh, <laughs> so it, it is the brother that I know, right? Yeah. Okay, so right. here here's the story of how Jason and I made a podcast. Um, I w- I got married kind of early in life and went to a college. While I was married, and I was one of those married college people who had a backpack with wheels on it. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> and like a, a retractable handle that pulled out of the top. That's not true, but all my classmates did have that because I was a non traditional student at this college. And my wife actually went there too. And they had like a church camp convention kind of thing that they put on every Christmas break. And so my wife was friends with like the director of this camp thing. And so her and her, my wife and myself, 
you know, we were like a little bit older than the college volunteers. I was 22, I think. And the college volunteers were like 19. Um, they put us in charge of the college volunteers, which really is like saying, um, I don't know, like, hey, VCR, can you take care of the DVD player? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, because you're slightly older. Um, uh. So that happened. That was a thing that we did. And so I got to know Jason's wife, which is weird to say this, but before Jason knew her, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, Long and before. So, and then she went to China and bought my son clothes. I forgot about that, too. She brought back Chinese clothes for my son. So Katie and I, family friends for a long time. And you guys were, I don't know what, oh, I think I was doing my top 100 board games of all time on my Facebook. And Katie started watching at one point. This was a couple years ago now. And Jason and I, like, I think just kind of hit it off, like, on Facebook. And then I think, I, I don't remember. I don't remember when we actually met. But I feel like you were up here visiting or something, and we met maybe at some point. I think I met you a while back when you guys first got married, but. It was at Nat. Yeah. I remember that. We came to Nat. Oh, great, dude. We're going to get doxxed now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I meant the mystery church. <laughs> No, it's totally there. I mean, like, live a life full of character, and if you get doxxed, you don't mind, I guess, too much. Not challenge accepted. Like, don't dox me, bro. But anyway, uh, so he and I met through that, and we just started making a podcast. And if you listen to the first few episodes, I think you'll understand that that's how we got to know each other. I mean, like, it was – yeah. No, I really, honestly, I don't feel like our episodes we make are amazing sometimes. And then I go back and listen to the episodes that we thought were good, like a hundred episodes ago, and they feel better now. So um, anyway, <laughs> I mean, the bar was pretty low. <laughs> it was. It was. So anyway, that's how we got the podcast started. I think you guys deserved that at least. Um, and that's what I played. It was us making a podcast together, the podcast editing game. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's no transition from that. But that's basically it. I mean, anything to add to that? No. I don't even remember why we decided to start a podcast, though. We were talking about games, and then I think it came up somehow. And you were all in. And I was like, yes, I like this guy. Like, <laughs> I like this guy. And to be honest, like, we're good yin and yang. I'm, I'm real dumb, and you're real smart, and it works. So... I think, honestly, though, Jason, you, like, have – I appreciate the heck out of you because you are the guy who says, hey, time to make the podcast and stick with it and never stop. And, like, that's what I need because there's definitely times where I feel like, is this even worth doing? And I'm like, it is. It's worth doing. And, Jason, you remind me of that. So – and the thing has grown. It has gone forever. I know there's been some valleys and stuff. And – I don't know. It's been awesome. It's been really awesome. I think this thing's better than I ever thought it was going to be as far as us having a lot of people who connect with us and people who listen to the show and the support we get. And I'm just pretty thrilled with it. So thank you to everybody. We'll do a little more of that later. But yeah, I feel really appreciative of everything. So that's it. It's time, man. These are the games that we actually love. All the rest of them have been garbage up to this point. These are the games we actually like because we're... We pretend we like games, but these are the <laughs> only ones we actually like. And I have no idea what yours are, so I'm pretty pumped. That's such a lie that... I mean, I could guess some. All <laughs> one, all 100 of these bad boys have been awesome games, but these top 10, these are the seriously... You could slap me with a... a, a I don't know, something cold <laughs> and 
and hard in the middle of the night and yank me out of bed and I would go play it. Maybe we shouldn't say cold and hard. Uh, you're probably right. I, you're, you're definitely not wrong. You could slap me with a warm, soft glove and say, I duel you to a game of my number 10 game, The Gallerist. So uh, that's a, I'd get up in the middle of the night to play a game. Uh, and this one wasn't even on my list before the last year, maybe two years. Uh, this is when you introduced me to Jason and I love it so much. Um, the more I play it, the better it gets in this game. I'm not going to say anymore cause I'm sure Jason will talk about it in a little bit. The gallerist <laughs> number 10 for me. Yeah, it may be up. It may be coming up. Um, my number 10 is a game that came out this year that I really truly enjoy. And it was supposed to come to you, but for some reason it came to me <laughs> and it is called Trismegistus. And no one was happier about that. I think than probably me, like <laughs> I saw that box and I was like, Oh, that's a, that looks like a real Jason review right there. It, yeah, it's pretty beefy and ugly, yeah. So Number 10, though, that's amazing. Oh, it's awesome, dude. It's probably, it's one of the best games that I've played recently. It's really good. Wow, that's so, that's insane that a game that came out this year made your top 10. Yeah. That is that is real amateur hour stuff. Please <laughs> note my number two coming up. <laughs> so if you don't know what this game is, it's a, it's a game about you're an a, a, a scientist or a sorcerer or a magician or something, and you're trying to an alchemist. That's the word, and you're trying to convert these goods into other goods to fulfill these secret formulas and potions to score a pile of points. But really, what you're doing is you're moving up on tracks. You're collecting sets of goods to fulfill these contracts. It's like a mixture of Zolkin, Teotihuacan, um, Lorenzo all mixed up in one, but it's even heavier and even beefier and it melts your brain. I'm not going to go into too much detail. There's a video on our YouTube page. You can go check it out. But if you like heavy euros that have a lot going on, this is the game for you. So number 10, Trismegistus. Best part about being an alchemist named Trismegistus is you don't have to be handsome. (laughs) That's true. Long Uh, white beard is all you need. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, Number next game. Uh, number nine, Airlines Europe, Jason. Uh, I really like this game. It's not heavy. It's not complicated. It doesn't break the molds for great games or anything, but it's just a decent little mesh-up of, like, Ticket to Ride with Stock Market kind of stuff. And actually, I really like Union Pacific with this, like, certain homebrewed version that we play here in my local club. And that really is the number nine game, but Airlines Europe is more close to it than Union Pacific is. Um, but basically, it's just a stock manipulation not even manipulation a little bit when you put planes down you make the stock worth more but a stock acquiring route building just kind of a fun little game and it's just super light just family weight game but it's different than ticket to ride or Catan or like carcassonne or all the traditional here are the family games that we play with our families like it's a different version of that stuff so that is airlines europe yeah i like this one i played this with you last uh, last time we hung out and i enjoyed yeah. it a lot it's fun Right on. All right. So my number nine is um, a game from, I don't remember who the company is, but it's called Orleans. Uh, this is a bag building or pool building game where you're reaching in this bag and you're pulling out some chips to take some actions. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to pull out certain types of chips that are different people. So you have farmers, scholars, uh, sailors, 
knights, so on and so forth. And you're putting them on your player board to take certain kind of actions. So you're trying to move around the the town to collect these goods. You may be trying to collect some automation to make it easier to run your town. You're trying to um, go to the school to get smarter, to move up on these tracks to score a pile of points. It's just another game that has a lot of tracks and a lot of things going on, and I enjoy it quite a bit. So my number nine, Orleans. It's DHC games and TMG games or something Oh, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. That's right, that's right. Um. Yeah, it's a good game. Uh, it's just fun to draw things out of the bag and then figure out where you want to plug those guys in at to do the work you want to do. And I think I I like this one as a bag drawing game better than um, Quacks because on Quacks, you're just sticking it in one spot. You're like hoping for good numbers and sticking it in one spot and then using that to buy things. On this one, you pull those blue chips and you've got a couple places you can put them and you get the monks. They're wild. You can kind of decide where you want to put them. And there's decisions that you have to make there. They're Part of it's the luck of the draw. The Am I going to get the things I want to get and then put them on the board where I want them at? Uh, is it going to get the work done that I need to have happen? But then also just figuring out how to like take like maybe a bad situation or a bad draw and make it into something good I think is really cool in this game. Um, and then the expansion adds kind of like another layer of brain burn. Like the base game is plenty. Like figuring out, man, I got to move on this map. I got to move up on these tracks. Then trying to figure out I got to deliver this good to this city for more points. Um, just that little bit of expansion adds quite a bit more thought. So uh, I like your pick, Jason. Number nine for you was Orleon. Is that right? Yep, that is correct. I felt comfortable talking about that one for a minute because my number eight is Orleon. So nice. number eight, Orleon. All right. Um, that was well-timed, well-played. Yeah, well, we're probably going to do that a couple times maybe. <laughs> probably. Uh, my number eight is a game that I actually got from you because you already had it and somehow you got a second copy. Mm. And it is amazing, incredible, one of my most played games this year, and it's called Concordia. Oh. Yeah, it's super good. I have Salsa, which I haven't played yet, but I will eventually. I love this game. So if you don't know what this game is, it's a game about uh, everybody has these same cards. They start out with the same cards. And on your turn, you're going to play a card from your hand, and you're going to take an action. It may let you buy other cards. It may let you move around this board. It may let you um, build some buildings. And then eventually you're going to have to play this card from your hand that's going to let you pick all your cards back up. So you're trying to balance like how many cards you want to play, what cards you want to play. There's also a card that lets you mirror some of your opponent's cards. Like when do you want to use that so you don't have to use your card. It's got a lot of stuff going on with some really simple play a card, take an action mechanisms. And it is super streamlined. It actually plays pretty quickly for what it is. And it's one of my favorite Euros that I've played in my number eight, Concordia. Good pick, Jason. Uh, read between these lines. I'm moving on to number seven um, without any further comment. Uh, <laughs> number seven for me is Vinos. Uh, I really like this game, and I think you already talked about it. Um, I play it on the 2010 side most of the time. 2016 is not bad. But this one um, is basically you're running a wine consortium. You're not – Viticulture is more about touristy – uh, like running a like vineyard. This is like more like you're running a wine empire and you own several vineyards in different regions of Portugal and you're trying to develop these awesome wines and you're being impacted by the weather and different things and you're going to take these to a wine fair and try and see if you can have the small yays like your wine the best and if they do, you're going to get a bunch of points there but you're also going to get a bunch of points for exporting your wine to the foreign market. Uh, you're going to get, you know, uh, you can sell it to like local restaurateurs 
Um, just a lot of really neat things happen in this game, and you're and it feels more like the the wine tycoon game because you're running uh, several vineyards, you're putting cellars in there, you're just trying to figure out how to maximize your money and make the most out of these very few actions you're going to get over the course of the game. I think you're going to get. I don't know, like, I think you play a total of eight rounds or something, I don't know, and something insanely short, like all Vidal games, and you aren't going to get near as much done as you want to get done, but it's so fun. Lisboa. Lisboa? Dinos. That's funny. (laughs) What is Lisboa? I don't even know what a Lisboa is. (laughs) I don't know either. I think it's a place in, like, Italy or something. Mm, Cool. Uh, Number seven for me is a place in Portugal. And it's from a designer in Portugal, I guess, called Lorenzo Il Magnifico. And, uh, yeah, this is a game that's a worker placement game, I guess, kind of. Yeah. But, but your workers basically have the values of these dice that are on the board. So you're going to roll these three dice. They're going to have values. There's an orange, white, and a black. And each of your pips or each of your little guys represents one of those dice. So you're taking this guy that you have, and you're either going to send it out to get some money, you're going to send it to these castles to get you some cards to help build an agriculture engine or a military engine. You may get some cards that are just worth in-game points. You may get some cards that are just during-game abilities, whatever, and so on and so forth. And you also have this stupid little worker that is worth a zero. So whenever you send him out on the board, you always have to send him with a house like worker or a servant or something just to make him even be able to do anything. So you're trying to figure out when you want to use him, how many servants you want to use with that guy to make him do some stuff. It's a good game. It has um, the punishing track where if you can't give the Catholic church what they want, they come and slap you around and they take a lot of your stuff and exile you and all that stuff. So make sure you're paying attention to that. It's brutal. It's hard. It's fun. And I enjoy it. So my number seven, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Yeah, great pick, Jason. Really good. I like it a lot, for sure. Uh, and the look of the game is really very much, oh, I've arrived in the Euro game land, um, for sure. It's not going to win any Table Appeal Awards, but it sure is a fun game. Uh, just making those machines run better and better throughout the game. You feel like you're building something, so really good pick. Mine, I had this guy at 34. The more I play it, the more it goes up, though, so it may end up moving up even. So, we'll see. Number six... Wow, moving right through here. Uh, Voyages of Marco Polo. Uh, awesome game. We've talked about it a ton. Uh, you're basically playing these really radically asymmetrical uh, factions or as explorers where they do just game-breakingly good things. And you're doing just all kinds of stuff to try and generate points. Um, there's several ways to get points. Uh, but the thing that really makes this game neat is it does dice placement very well. But then the way how everything is so asymmetrical, it feels so fun to be like, I am cheating. I am playing this game as a cheater because it really does feel like you're cheating. Like one guy just – a big part of the game is rolling die. One guy goes, ah, I don't feel like rolling die. I'm just going to turn them to this side. <laughs> yeah, that, guy, that guy's awesome. <laughs> and then you never feel like you have enough dice. You're always like, man, I wish I had more dice. One of the characters just has extra dice like that he gets to use. <laughs> and, yeah. and then it's really, really hard to move on this track and – and leave settlements as you travel. One guy's just like, nah, I'm just going to leave a settlement wherever I go. So, I mean, like, they just have these really crazy, game-breakingly good things. And then one guy, like, apparently is the best embezzler ever. Whenever you buy something from the shop, he's like, I think I'll take something. <laughs> so, like, they're yeah. all just really good. It's crazy, um, man. And it 
Every time you play one of those characters, you're like, I can't believe they like this actually is allowed in this game. But then you end up like losing because the other powers are so good. So really good game. I'm I have a suspicion Jason might talk about this one later, so I'll just shut up now. Yeah, it's an okay game. Uh, right, I'm, I'm just going to talk about my number six. Uh, my number six is a game you've already talked about in this tin, and it is called The Gallerist. Ah, yes. This was my number one game for a while, but it fell a little bit just because I haven't played it as much, I think. But you talked about this game already. You're running an art gallery. You're trying to get the best art and your end display and you're trying to sell it. You're trying to schmooze with the foreign dignitaries to make some contracts with them to get good stuff. Um, but the one thing that the, this was, I think the first game that I played or that I enjoyed playing where you get like those bonus actions that you can do where you're cashing in those tickets. So you're doing extra actions on your turn. And when you get bumped out, you also get to take an action. So even though you're only doing one thing on your turn, you can still do like something on every other player's turn if you get bumped out enough. So I, I really enjoyed that. It's a cool mechanism and something that Vitae loves to do. So my number six, the gallerist. So I'm going to mention just a couple more things about this one because it just needs to be mentioned. This game has that awesome thing that we're seeing in more games all the time where it's like almost there's elements of a game where it's like, you need other people to work with you to make things work well, but it's going to work well for them too. So you're both investing in maybe the same artist, but you know that they might get a few more points from it, but you still, it's in your best interest to help them even because you're really trying to inflate the value of this artist. You know, I mean, that's what this really is about is artificially inflating the egos and value <laughs> of these artists. Right. But then the other thing this game does that is really cool as well is it has that like multi-use track of like not really points, and not really money, but I forget. It's like prestige or something on that bottom track of the board where you can use it. You can spend it to do certain things, but you really want to keep it up because it's going to help you if you can keep your track really high uh, to score extra stuff. But just you need to spend it sometimes to like get that little extra bonus to even kick a little harder. So I don't even remember what the name of that track is on the bottom of the board, but it's really neat how you can use it to manipulate other things. But it hurts to do it, but it feels so good to do it at the same time. Um, yeah, so Gallerus is a great game. Good job. I think it's the fame track. There you go. Fame. Uh, number five, Brass yep. Birmingham. Uh, this one is the Brass that came out last year. This one I like just a little better than Vanilla Brass or Brass Lancashire. Um, just because I like the addition of like beer in games. Anytime you put beer in a game, it makes it better. So that's that's that. <laughs> uh, now, Brass... <laughs> Brass Birmingham is basically the same game as Brass, um, but it was like I'm thinking they homebrewed a version of this game where they added some little bits and elements into it, and it really does add to the game. Um, and it feels like you have more choices in this game. It feels like when you play Brass Lancashire, it's a really cool game, but it feels like you definitely have to follow a certain path or you have to... It feels like the options or the choices are a little bit made for you at times. Like, you're like, okay, there's a ton of iron on the board. I need to do something with this iron. I'm going to figure it out. Um, whereas in in um, Birmingham, you feel like you maybe have a little more independence to do some things. I also feel like in Birmingham, you can make a mistake and not lose the game. Like, I feel like in Lancashire, if you're playing grass for the first time against someone who's played it a few times, and you do something kind of goofy in the first round, it's like take too many loans out or whatever. Like you're going to really, really have a hard time in that game. Whereas in Birmingham, I think it's a little more forgiving too. Um, that's weird though, because it's that kind of interesting blend of being maybe a more forgiving open game, but having more things in it and having maybe like more 
different mechanisms and things that happen throughout the game. So it's it's interesting. I really like it. I don't know that forever this game will be the better brass game, but for right now it is. Yeah, I haven't played this one, but that beer mechanism does seem a little interesting. So since you haven't, maybe we can play it sometime. Yeah, buddy. Get the Hyperloop going. <laughs> so my number five is my favorite Stefan Feld game. And I know that for a fact because I'm looking at my next four games and none of them are Stefan Feld. And it is Merlin. Merlin. Merlin is absolutely fantastic. Um, so what this game is, is you're taking on Knights of the Round Table and you're trying to, you know, basically it's a roll and move game, kind of. So you roll on these dice and you have to move your knight based on the values of one of these dice. There's also a white die that's going to let you move Merlin and he can either move clockwise or counterclockwise around the, the round table. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to collect different types of shields, flags, um, cubes to be able to put these buildings out in this like weird area majority thing and to have different amounts of area control in each of these. I think there's six different areas on the board. And you're also trying to fight these guys that are attacking you. So you want to get shields of certain colors to run them off and all that. But this game has so many decisions. It is actually really pretty for a, a Stefan Feld game. It actually has some colors, which I enjoy. And even though it's a roll and move, there's apples that you can mitigate some stuff. There's just ways to work around that so you're not pigeonholed into a spot. So if you like Stefan Feld, you like rondelles, you like set collection, you like punishing games, and this is the game for you, my number five, Merlin. I Yeah, I would say that this game, at its most rudimentary levels, could be described as a roll-and-move game, and it really is, but it doesn't feel like it when you're playing it. It feels like it's more like a worker placement-y kind of game, or like, uh, I don't know, it just... It really feels like you're building something, kind of. And it's it's really different from any other game I've really ever played. Um, but I like it. I actually really like it. So, uh, yeah, I didn't think I was going to like it because I'm not particularly a Feld fan. But this one's actually really good. And it might be my favorite Feld, too, Jason. Um, yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. I'm glad I played it. Cool. All right, my number four game, Jason. Are we? Let's, let's start doing the guessing game now. Jason, I won't look at your list. You don't look at mine. Matt Gertz. What Matt Gertz game made number four for me? Concordia. Bam. Definitely. Uh, yep, this is an awesome game. You already talked about it. The thing I like about this game uh, is that your cards, the order you play them, is so... There's a good tension there. Because you can play the cards in a way that's going to get you goods and make your warehouses better and more full. Or you can get more cards with your cards. Um, or you can increase your settlements and things. I mean, just... I. I the way you sequence things is really – it's a, a almost painful tension in it because you have to get more cards because the cards are really what's going to get you more points at the end of the game, what's going to help you with you know all that. But at the same time, um, you get more cards, it runs the timer down, the game's going to end sooner, and you sometimes don't want to bring the end of the game around because you need to get other things done. And then also like you don't want to bring the end of the game around or you don't want to get more cards when there's other things you really have to do to help make those cards score better. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of things going on and how you order them. It's just a really well-made game. It doesn't have anything particularly fancy or like clever, cutesy kind of stuff in it. It's just a really well-made Euro game uh, just with some really cool balancing of mechanisms and just – I don't know. And then it has – like beyond that, it has that little thing too where – um, you're flipping over the little tiles for the goods and every time you flip a tile over it brings up money so it's almost it's not really push your luck but it's like 
eventually that becomes so attractive to just take that money that somebody's going to reset those tiles and get that money, you know? So there's just so many little interesting things that happen in this game that it's just a really just rock solid game. And I have not played Salsa. I'm looking forward to playing your copy of Salsa at some point because I hear that adds to the game quite a bit. Um, but I do love Concordia. And that's the drawback of being a podcaster and YouTube person is that you have these games you love, but there's always other games you've got to get played because you need to have a pretty broad view of the board game industry and a broad view of like what you're reviewing and playing. And because of that, you don't get to play your games as much as you want. But this is one that I really do love playing, and it plays pretty quick, too. I think I've played this one under an hour. So um, it feels pretty good for that. So Concordia, you already talked about it. I talked about it some more. Good game. Yep, good pick. All right, so here's a, here's a clue for you for ni- my number four. All right. Gears. Mm, Gear World of the Borderlands. <laughs> yes, you are so right. <laughs> uh, Gears, I'll, I'll bet I know what this one is. This is one where you put um, cylinders into the gears and watch them ride the merry-go-round until they get something really good. <laughs> um, or if you're playing it with a real nasty person, they push the gears too far and you end up losing out on what you want. Yeah, I guess you can't really totally do that, but yeah. Uh, Zulkin, yep. good game. That is my number four. So I think I just recently talked about this because I recently played it, but this is essentially a worker placement game. But the trick here is as you're, you're going to place these workers out on this gear and each round the gears are going to turn. So the longer your guy can stay on this wheel, the better the actions are going to have to be able to take on each of the, I think there's five locations. So you're trying to balance, you know, how, do you want to pay money to get the guy started out farther on the wheel? Do you want to go to the free space and let him ride longer? So you're trying to balance all that. But the trick here is you can only either put people down on the board on your turn or you can pick people up. You can never uh-huh. do you can never do both. So you're trying to make sure that on a turn where you have to pick people up, you at least have somebody that you want to pick up. So it's not always beneficial to put all your guys down and it's not always beneficial to pick all your guys up. So that's kind of the game on this one. It's the... Uh, juggling that time movement piece of the worker placement. So I dig this one. It's fantastic. I love playing it. So my number four, Zolkin. Yeah. And then there's just so many reasons why. I mean, like if you ride your guy all the way to the end, it kind of lets you pick whatever you want to do. But if you want like the third or fourth space on that gear and you miss it, you got to wait like a few more turns <laughs> to get what you need again. Yeah. And so that's pretty painful. And, and just the timing of things, sometimes you miscalculate. Like your timing, like, okay, if I place here, then here, that'll trigger them in a sequence that I can get this thing I need. And you're like, I'm off by one. Or the other thing that's crazy too is uh, when somebody takes the, there's the space that's not a gear. You know what I'm talking about? It's like between the two gears. The first player space? Yeah. And then it lets you take the food on the gear. Yeah. Like eventually somebody takes that and that like kind of prematurely cranks the gears and you're like, oh, it's get the spot I need. What the crap? So like, um, yeah, it's a really cool game, though. It makes you kind of angry, but not really, because you're like, ah, it's, stuff happens, in the words of Force Comp. Yeah, and you can only do that double space one time during the game, each player, unless you make it to the top of a track. So it's not super punishing, but it can be annoying for sure. Yeah, I mean, every time it happens, it always feels like it screws up the whole game. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, Jason, my third game is uh, a game that I already mentioned on accident. Um, and it happens in Italy, according to you. <laughs> I was playing it to the, close to the chest. Uh, we will say Kanban, also known as Lisboa. <laughs> yep, there it is. <laughs> Lisboa's Kanban of Vinyos. Uh, 
Lisboa. Uh, this game, you're rebuilding the city of Lisboa. And to Vidal explain it, take a card, play a card. That's all you do in this game. Uh, it really is card-driven. Yeah, you it have really is. three places that cards are going to go, and then you follow a flowchart of what happens after that. But at the heart of this game, you're really trying to set up storefronts or stalls on certain avenues so that they'll score a ton of points for you. Um, and then there's other things too. This game is like Merlin to me um, in this. In Merlin, you're like, hey, this little side thing that you don't think much about, if you don't do it, you're going to lose. And so I ignored that advice and I lost by a ton. In Lisboa, I'm always like, I'm just going to get tons of points during the game and I'm totally going to ignore getting those in-game bonus cards. Nope. And I always lose. Yep, you will lose every time. So you got to do something with those, but it always feels so bad because you're like, I'm missing out on doing the awesome stuff that I want to do in the city to go take a little aside up here and take these bonus cards, but they're so important to get. So, yeah, and then also ships, and there's just so much cool stuff in this game. Um, really like it. Lisboa. It's, it's Vidal. At this time, it's Vidal's opus. It's his best game to me. Just really love it so much. Um, we'll see how I feel about On Mars, but Lisboa at this point is number three. Yeah, it looks like my favorite um, Vital game is The Gallerist. That's crazy. Yeah. I I, th- I think you had three in the top ten last year. I did. But, again, they're so hard to get to the table that they just fall down lower to me because I'm playing other things and they're in my head a little more. Yeah. The, the Italian design cooperative, I think, is really having a big year for you. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, speaking of them, uh, well, I'll let you guess. You know it's the uh, it's the Italian it's, designers. It's them. <laughs> I know it's not okay. I know it's not. It involves dice of many colors. Yeah, but I don't think this is the one where you put them in a holder. I think this is the one where you just use them. Yeah, you may stack them on top of each other, and then you have to pay a tax sometimes. There you go. We're gonna go on a voyage. Yep. Uh, we're going to go on Coolio's Fantastic Voyage of Marco Polo. <laughs> yep. So my number three is Voyages of Marco Polo. You already talked about this one. Uh, same things you like about it, I like about it. I mostly like the player powers. They are just amazing. No matter what one you get, you always want the other one that the other players have. And it's just awesome. You're using dice to do things on the board. You can go on top of other people, but you have to pay a tax. So you're never really blocked out of a space unless you don't have any money. So just moving around, collecting goods, filling, filling contracts, trying to do that better than everybody else. And I enjoy it. It is awesome. One of my favorite dice games. That's number three, Voyages of Marco Polo. The, the guy who just gets stuff when you go to the shop, like the shopkeeper guy, or what, I don't even know who he is. Like when someone buys stuff on the bottom part of the board, they just get to take something. Like that one is insane to me still. Oh I yeah! The first time I played with that one, I was like, "Give me the rules." We're surely not playing this right. That you just get to take stuff? That's dumb. No, no way. And I was like, "What? That's true. That's crazy." And then that guy doesn't always win. You'd think that guy would always win, but he doesn't. You would think, you think the guy who gets to set his die to yeah. win would always win. No, he, he doesn't, doesn't win. I had the guy that last time I played. I think I had a guy that gave me uh, the extra die. Yeah, that guy doesn't always win either. Marco Polo, right? Yeah, or Matteo Polo. Polo or something. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It was crazy. I didn't win with him either. The one that makes everyone else play blindfolded, that guy seems powerful too, but he doesn't always win either. And, <laughs> and the one that makes you play with just children and not adults, like that one, You sometimes the kids beat you. I mean, what are you going to do? I would still lose with that one, yeah. 
Yeah, I would definitely too. My number two, Jason. It came out this year. That's the only only thing I'm going to give you. And I'm a little embarrassed at the game that came out this year. It's my number two. City of Big Shoulders. Yep, City of the Big Shoulders. Man, I love this game. Um, it's kind of not really a new game because it is so reminiscent of Arkwright and 18xx games. Um, so it's taking these amazing concepts from games and meshing them together. But man, this game's awesome. I love it so much. So, so much. Um, usually when you play it, it takes between two and three hours. And it doesn't usually feel like you've been playing for two or three hours. Um, the only thing that's a kind of a drawback on it that I know Jason's not a super fan of is I'm thinking Jason wishes we had the electronic banking version of this game where you set up your factories and do all the auctions and all the stock market stuff. And then when it was time to run the factories, you hit a button and they just get ran for you. Um, and then it made that part quicker. I don't mind running it. I just don't like sorting out the money. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you hated that part. <laughs> I was like, how could you not like, what's 30% of 147? <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I forgot that you ended that I despise so that part. But the rest of the game, I really do enjoy. It's a good game. I like it quite a bit. Yeah. And I, I'm not an idiot. I can do math. It's just that math was just, I like 10 minus two in board games. <laughs> like that yeah. math is a lot easier. And that game really is like, all right, we just sold three shares at $57 a piece and I get 40% of the revenue uh. from that. What is – oh, boy. That's – that's uh, – that's get the phone out. Yeah, I, I just can't do that kind of math that quickly in my head. And otherwise, I'm holding everybody up. So. Yep. Yep. No, it really is pretty math heavy. I uh, like this game a lot, though. You're basically running factories, uh, turn of the century Chicago, trying to make them produce a lot of goods to make your stock go up that you own a vested interest in. And then money becomes points at the end of the game. So you're trying to make your money into more money. So – just a pure economic game, streamlined down as much as possible. All the parts of those heavier European uh, euros, as we call them, uh, economic games, all like kind of paired out and put into one package. City of the Big Shoulders, so good. Love it. Would play it anytime. Yeah, I do like this. I'd like to play it again at three. Yes, I think it shines at three. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, my number two is a game about illusionists. Tracarion. Yep, you are right. Uh, so this is a game, I love playing this game. It's another one of those games that it has a ton of stuff to set up, and it has a lot of overhead rules, some stuff that's fiddly to explain, and I don't really like explaining it, so I want to play with people that know how to play. But this is a game I'll play at any time, and essentially what it is, it's a, a programming game, kind of, where you have these cards that are going to dictate, you're going to place on the boards, and they're going to tell you where you're able to send your workers out. Two. And then you're going to have some workers that have different values of actions ranging from one to three. You're going to try to go to the market to get some goods to make these magic tricks. You're going to try to go to the bank to get some money. Maybe go to the town hall to learn some, um, to get the possibility of learning new tricks. You may go to your laboratory to set up your tricks, which is like piece it together with the parts you collected at the market and all that. And then you might go to the theater to perform the tricks and perform the tricks of other people that were at the theater with you to score points prestige all that good stuff uh it's a euro game you're trying to be the person that has the most points at the end of the game which you probably won't get a ton i think it's usually like 50 or 60 points it's hard to get points in this game but it's awesome it has really cool artwork um i like the gameplay a lot sometimes it can go on a little too long but that's not a fault of the game that's just what it is i guess so my number two trickerian great game jason great game and this is how top 100s should work and do work with us this game, I still will say it's a great game, and I have no qualms with you making it your number two game because it is a great game. 
But I had this game at number 99 on my list. So our lists are inverted, I guess. My second game that I talked about and your second to top game, same game, Tricarion. And I think my, my complaints about it are the same as yours, that it takes a while to set this game up. It takes a while to explain the game to people. Um, but the thing I don't like about this game for me is we do like three rounds of actions. And then I looked down at my player board and I'm like, hey, guys, I'm good at magic. I got a rope and a bird. Want to come see my rope bird trick? And everyone else is like, I'm sawing the lady in half. Then she's flying with angel wings onto the tin can. I don't know. Just she she does very cool things. And I'm like, bird and rope, come see it. It's good. <laughs> yeah, it can feel like that sometimes where you may be focusing on other things and everybody else is just focusing on tricks. And then they're like, you know, Harry Houdini and you're like some guy down in the 7-Eleven pulling a, ma- a bunny out of a hat. Yeah. You're a real Joel Kratzer in high school. <laughs> thought he could do magic. Uh. So yeah, that's yeah, that's a that's a good one for sure. Um, it's it's good for sure, for sure. It's good, but just this is one that also you've played it more than I have. Um, I've only played this one probably certainly less than ten times. I think you've got to play this one four or five times before you go. Okay, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to pick one, like, string of tricks. I'm going to try and pick them out early and then try and get the materials I need early to work towards this bigger thing later, but along the way get some points. And I think that once you can figure that out, it really helps the game. The other thing, too, is I've I've not played with – I played with uh, I played with the Dark Alley, Black Alley, whatever it's called, but I haven't played with Dogguard's Gifts yet, and I haven't played with the new expansion. And I, I don't know, the new, new expansion that came out this year – I haven't heard much about it, but man, it seems like it adds a bunch to the game too. So I'm curious to play with those. Yeah, I have both of those. I play with I play with Dogguards every time if I'm playing two players, and it makes two player amazing. But I haven't played with the full big expansion yet because I haven't played the game in a while. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. Uh, I wonder what that'll do to the game. Maybe maybe it gives you that bump to number one. Uh, might Jason, you're gonna know my number one because it's been my number one for a while. Munchkin. It's it's. You're so close. You can smell it from there. <laughs> Does it have? It's a game that you could smell if it had smells. <laughs> it in has the box. Kansas City and Santa Fe barbecue sauce. There, there may be a, a train at the top and some cows and some horses and stuff. And it added another train above the top. So there's 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 top and then there's very top. Oh, two so, trains. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Great Western Trail. Like this game a lot, and it's not because it's a heavy game, because it's not a heavy game by the standards of you and I talking about heavy games now. I hate that you've done that to me, um, <laughs> but it's 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 medium heavy. It's it's got a lot going on in it, but it's just a nice design. It has a lot of things that you can do, and at the heart of it, you're building a deck. You're trying to build a deck with as many different kinds of cows in it as you can, um, and just how you acquire them is like going along this trail and. I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting. It's interesting you don't like it any more than you do because it feels like the whole game is one big track um, that you're trying to make better and then use it to build a deck. I don't know. I think you'd like it with the Rails of the North thing too because it takes what you would call um, like Hi Ho Cherio basically and turns it into Ticket to Ride. So it makes it just, it turns it up a little bit. So Great Western Trail, my number one game. Just a really cool game of trying to diversify your cattle. Um, add the right cattle to your hand and so do some deck building but then also have these like worker 
you have a worker that's going along this path and he's doing different kinds of work along the way to try and do that goal for you. And then beyond that, you're trying to establish like some train stations or stops along a train uh, in order to like get more points too and some little benefits that can happen as well. And then you add the, I think it's called rails to the north, which adds another whole set of train stuff on there um, that does add something to it. So it adds like, an, it almost does what Birmingham does to Lancashire. It adds that like, Extra thing, but it also feels like there's a little bit of looseness that you can do there. And they're really well balanced because um, I've played this game with the expansion a couple times. And both times, like one player would just focus on the expansion part. The other person would focus on the base game part. And they kind of were close. So um, Great Western Trail, my number one. I like this game. I don't know. I just I, I didn't particularly like the way that you moved around on the board. That I, I didn't like that people could own spaces and then you go to their space and... Like you had to get to give them stuff or something. I I didn't enjoy that. Yeah, there's a lot of blocking that happens in this game for sure. Yeah, not not my thing. Yeah, you just I don't know. It's because you're vegan. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I hate cows. <laughs> so my number one game is uh, you probably know what it is, but it takes place in Portugal. Yes, uh, Coimbra. Yep, Coimbra. That, that is correct. However you say it. Yeah, this is a good game. I'm just really surprised that you love it as much as you do. I like it quite a bit, but I just don't love it. I think it's my Great Western. It's it's my version of Great Western Trail is to you. Like it's a good game and I respect it, but I'm not like super into it. I don't know. I don't know. Something about it. it it's not a heavy game by any stretch. It has a lot going on and there's some stuff that, you know, you're trying to collect different types of sets of things and trying to get build this little engine on your player board and you're trying to pick the right dice to do the right track, but what I like about this game is that two players, you can bash out a game of this in like 30 minutes. It just flies by. So you're getting the, you know, the feels of this heavy game. Well, you know, medium heavy game in 30 minutes. So it's satisfying, yet it doesn't take all night to play. So I think that's part of the reason why it stays up so high and it doesn't take forever to set up. It's super quick to set up. You just grab some dice, grab some pieces, put the board out and you're done. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. If you don't know what this game is, I guess I should probably talk about that. You're drafting these dice. You're putting them in this little dice castle holder thing. You're using the dice kind of as workers to put them on these like four different places on the board to either draft some cards or draft these little tiles to give you abilities in another section of the board. And then you're going to use these cards to move up on certain types of tracks, which are going to give, give you income later in the game based on the color of the die. It's going to fire off the track of that color and give you the goods. There's going to be military, money. Um, you're going to be able to move around this board to put your influence down and get powers. And then there's um, points, a point track. That's the game. You're using dice to get cards and score points. I love that. Plus, plus diplomas. Uh, yeah, and some random diplomas, yeah. That are just Because, I mean, there wasn't enough to keep balance there. You've <laughs> got to have a set collection element in there as well. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I always forget about that, but and that's probably why I lose. It's not worth that many points. To, to me, this game... Reminds me of uh, the children's broadcasting, the children's, whatever PBS in the 80s was called, children's television workshop. Um, it reminds me of, like those guys would make a game. And I don't know why I think that. It's probably the color palette. Like it just reminds me of like public television in the 80s color palette because it's a lot of orange and purple. Yeah, um, it is. But it's a good game for sure. And it's one of those things too. It reminds me a little of like Newton, maybe where it's like, and it should, I guess, because it has some common designers, probably, or at least those guys are all friends or whatever. I don't know how they are all connected. But it's like you can't do everything in this game. You just can't. I mean, if you're going to focus on the map, then good. You're going to focus on the map largely. You can't ignore other things, 
But you got to really do that map well if you're going to try and win on the map bar. And if you're just going to try and um, – I forget which phase it is, E or I don't remember. Try and get those extra phase like activation cards that keep activating throughout the whole game um, and really focus on that. You can do that, but you can't ignore the map. You know what I mean? Like so just – and like you can't get all three tracks to go up like crazy, but – you can't you can't ignore you know any one or else you'll be way out of it. But you've got to really push up on the other two, you know. So it's it's just a lot of like just figuring out where am I going to get the push at, and I can't do it everywhere. I just can't unless you're unless you're Katie, your wife, who probably can do it all. Um, yep, she does. Based, yep. based on how much she beats you by and how much I've seen her be really good at other games like this, where you're trying to like master seventy things at once, and she's able to do it. I don't know how, but I just can't. It's just uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, last time we played this, it was bad. I lost by like 80 points or something. <laughs> it's so bad. That is bad. <laughs> That's real bad, man. Yeah, I'm awful. Like, I love this game, but I'm so bad at it. I can't figure out the way to score more than like 90 points. Oh, wow. Learn to play, Jason. <laughs> I don't even know what I scored last time I played. Probably like 40. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm like excited. I'm like, yeah, 99 points. Katie's gone around the board three times. Like, what the? <laughs> I, I don't get it. Yeah, no, it's it's a very good game, and I'm I'm, yeah, I'm actually kind of wanting to play it right now, um, but yeah, the art and the color palette in it is a little unique. I guess I'm happy about it to be honest. Like I like the art and the color palette because it's different than their other games, you know. But it does it's deceptive. Like you break that game out, and like children start getting near it. They're like, oh, this looks like a fun children's game based on these vibrant colors. <laughs> it certainly is not. No, it is not. Uh. So that ends our top 100, Jason. I feel like uh, maybe we should do a little something else here. Will it be in the 100th episode? All right. I feel like we should say some thank yous and give some shout outs. So we've mentioned this enough. You've had, listen, you've had darn near 90 episodes probably to join the Riveted over there. Okay. And if you didn't, well, you know what? That's on you. Um, Because everybody in the Riveted is getting a shout out. This isn't just the people who like our page. This is the people who have found the group, joined it. And maybe even some of you contributed. So, Jason, let's take a chance, take turns here, just giving some shout outs to people. And I guess pretty much random order. Maybe this is the oldest to newest. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to say what's up to Kristen, Jeremy, Luke, Matt, Katie, Scott, the first Scott, Scott C. You know who you are, Scott C. Tim, Ben, Lisa, and Mike. And I'm going to give a big shout out to Kim, Lindsay, Brian, Justin, Jamie, PDB, Jillian Schmidt, Steve Judd, oh, sorry, no last name, Laura, <laughs> Jonathan, and Brendan. I hope you understand. Steve, no last name given right now. Uh, <laughs> and Justin, my best friend since kindergarten in the group, hasn't said a whole lot to us yet, but I know he hangs out. Uh, That's cool. Brent, Chris, Jeff, uh, Carol? Yeah. Uh, Chris, other Joel, uh, why didn't I give you some of these names? Mitria, <laughs> Edward, and Caleb. And I would give a shout out to Andy, Ian, Bob, Matt, Daniel, Scott, not Scott C, Fotis, Greg, Fred, Jennifer, Stephen, Brian, and Katie. Yeah, Stephen, kind of coming on strong lately. Yeah, Fred. you're gonna you're gonna be getting the voicemail call before long for sure. And Matt with one T. That was Matt with one T there. Yeah, he's a he's a gamer, buddy. Yeah, I knew he was one of your guys. Uh, John, Amber, Jeffrey, Christina, Danny, Nate. I want to say Nate might be the guy who made one of our logos. If you are Nate, 
double shout oh, out for yeah, you. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Milane, we think your name is? I, I talked to Katie about this. She said it's Melani. Melani. Well, she seems smarter than us. <laughs> Melani. Hi. Oh, before we move on, a factoid about my friend with the one T. Matt with the one T. He's the one that came up with the name The Riveted. What's up, Matt? We love you. Yep. All right. I'm going to give a shout out to Ashley or George or William. I'm not sure. Uh, Bez, <laughs> Vasilis, Matthew, James, Alex, Sarah, Benjamin, Alexandros, Bradley, Joshua, and Colin. Hitting the end here. Mike, Mark, Brian, Adrian, Paul, and Scott. And Adrian, you're like a you're the rookie of the year this year, bud. <laughs> and the final names that we're going to talk about is Sabin, Chris, Emily, Spencer, Richard. Hey, you need to get back on the, the chats, Richard. And a buddy that I work with, Shane. Yeah, and, and Richard's the possibly could be fan zero too. A uh, special place in my heart for Richard because I think he's like seriously probably one of the first fans that connected with us. For sure. We're like, oh man, someone actually listened to the show. That's crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> I know he's still on the on some of the groups. I've seen him. I don't know what, what happened, but he's around. Yep. Uh, and then I'm going to say a special thanks to just people that have been cool to us. Um, to my wife, Kristen, because every, every week I spend a few hours on this thing and she's been really understanding about it. And she's starting to like games a little more, but she certainly doesn't like them like I do. But she supports me in like my love of these games and, and what we're doing here. So thank you to Kristen, my wife. Uh, to Tim. Tim is a guy who kind of runs like local groups and stuff. And actually, you're going to get to hear Tim on the show soon. But Tim, you get a shout out because you share our stuff like crazy. Love it so much that you share it as much as you do. Um, and actually, I didn't have his name on here too, but I'm going to say it to Scott. Scott, you share our stuff like crazy as well. For sure. Love that so much. So Tim and Scott, thank you for sharing our stuff so much. Like our fan base has grown certainly because of you guys and your shares. This one's going to sound weird, but I'm going to say it. Seriously. I'm, I'm like serious. Tom Vassell, thank you for what you did for the whole everything in podcasting and everything in YouTube. If you weren't around, we wouldn't have what we have going on right now. Um, and I know that we kind of like razz you or say things that might be funny about you. Um, but we, I really do appreciate you. You, uh, you really have been a, a leading voice in this for a long time. And you are a trailblazer in what we do here. So thank you, Tom. And my final one is Quinn's at Shut Up and Set Down. Uh, man, he brought a new layer to this thing of just being funny and wacky and you don't have to be so serious. So he was an influencer on me too. So thank you for your videos and all the content you make as well. And kicking it over to Jason now. Yeah, I don't have, I mean, I have a few that I want to talk about. First, I'm going to give a thanks to Katie because yeah, just like Kristen, she puts up with me taking some time out to make videos and do this. And she also plays some awful games with me to do some reviews. So that takes a special person to be able to put up with that. For sure. <laughs> um, next is Mike. And thanks, Mike, for being a cool fan and for hanging out with me actually a couple times. I enjoyed playing games with you and eating some of those burger cookies. They're so good. Uh, Rado, of course, he was who I started watching when I got into the hobby to play some games. I still watch his videos. He's incredible. He sent us a video when we were nobodies saying congratulations yeah. on getting 100 likes. And because of that, he will forever be awesome. Uh, I'm going to thank my buddy Brandon because, again, he plays games with me probably more than anybody else maybe except for Katie. Maybe even more than Katie because I play with Brandon a lot. And he also plays the games that Katie doesn't want to play with me. So he'll play all these games that are no nothing games, and he likes it. So 
Thanks, Brandon. And last, I like Brandon a lot too. Yeah, he, he's a quality dude. And last but not least, I'll talk to uh, thank Jim and Kim. Um, they sort of got me into the hobby a little bit. I went to Origins for the first time with them and started playing games with them a lot. They were like the first two people in my gaming group. Um, and Kim was doing some stuff with Katie for a while. So, and we worked together. So, I've known these guys for 15 years. So, that's who I want to say thanks to. And you triggered me to think of two more, and maybe this will make you think of like a couple more too. But uh, my son Luke, he does play the crappy games with me as well, and he is like a teenager who doesn't want anything to do with his dad, much less playing board games with his dad. So <sighs> he's a good sport about it then most of the time. And the final one is actually Philip DeBerry. Um, he was like the first like legit person that was like, yeah, I'll be on your show. Cool. I don't care. For sure. Um, and so that was kind of awesome to have Philip DeBerry on the show. And this is right before Black Orchestra second printing came out. Um, and he's kind of become a bigger deal. Um, but he was on our show way back when, back in like, I don't know, man, probably the thirties or something. Uh, maybe even before. So pretty huge. And man, Vidal Lacerda was on our show. That's still surreal. So that is true. That's awesome. It's bizarre. We need to get him on again. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll say uh, I'll add one. I'll add Chris and Amy to my thank yous as well. Chris is my new hotness buddy. He always comes over with all the hot games so I can play them so I don't have to buy them. And I appreciate that. So thank you, Chris. That's that's the Lord's work right there. <laughs> that is the Lord's work. <laughs> Buying those games that there's about a 25% chance that you're actually going to keep and 75% chance you're going to put them up for trade. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, that's awesome. Man, I feel like we just beat the video game and the final credits rolled. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for f- thanks for listening, guys. Uh, thanks for being there for the whole hundred, and here's to the next hundred. For sure, and keep gaming. Gaming. do that while i'm recording a podcast worst transition ever (laughs) yeah we've had worse (laughs) there's like 15 outtakes in this episode already (laughs) yeah i'm gonna put them all at the end too it's gonna be funny